okay, so it's Palm Sunday. We've been talking, um, we talked all the month of March about the parables of Jesus, the teachings, the teachings that really say the same thing over and over again. It's about love and it's about oneness. Don't think you're separate from anyone else. There's no them, there's only us. That was his belief, that was his teaching. That wasn't just his belief, that was the knowing that he got directly from the spirit within when he realized fully in a way that few people or perhaps no one has ever done to the extent that he did fully realize the God within and he were one, are one. And so he's been teaching all this stuff and it's about time that he's going to have to really put his money where his mouth is because he's about to enter the city of Jerusalem for the Passover feast. It's a great, it's one of the big feasts of the Jewish year. And people gather with their families, with their friends, with their loved ones to have this feast. I'm going to read you some more from Matthew. Now Jesus was going up to Jerusalem. And on the way, he took the 12 and said to him, to said to them, we are going up to Jerusalem and the son of man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. On the third day, he will be raised to life. So here's the deal. When Jesus calls himself son of man, he is talking about his earthly body. Because the Son of God cannot be crucified and cannot be handed over to anybody and cannot be tortured and cannot be flogged and cannot be held down in any way, right? So this is why he uses the words Son of Man. This is going to happen to his body. And then from John chapter 12, Jesus said, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. It's about to, what he's saying is that this son of man, that there will be a demonstration in the body to let people know the truth of the heart, the truth of the God within. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Again, he's still teaching them in parables. You can't, unless... Something dies, something new cannot grow. Unless something dies, something new cannot grow. Anyone who loves, call that attaches to, their life will lose it. While anyone who hates their life, I'm going to call that lets go of their life, the world in, in this world will keep it for eternal life. So whoever attaches to their life in this world will lose it. And whoever hates his life or who lets go of his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me and where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. Now my soul is, soul is troubled and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for this very reason that I came to this hour. There's some real beauty and truth in there. I don't know if Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen to him. I don't know if he laid it out that clearly to the apostles. Matthew, um, 
Matthew was one of the later gospels written, and there's a lot of stuff added to it by the, by the gospel writer there. But he knew that things were going to be bad. He had heard the rumors. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, they were not happy with him. They were after him. And guess where they all lived? In the city of Jerusalem. And so simply by coming to the Passover feast there, instead of out in the countryside where he had been wandering from village to village, he knew he was presenting a challenge to them. And when he came in and the people came out and said Hosanna to him, Hosanna does not mean hallelujah, which is what a lot of people think. Hosanna means save us. It means you are our salvation. It's actually a, a plea or a demand rather than just praise. The praise part of it is we know you can. That's why we're saying Hosanna to you. But when he said, it is for this very reason that I came to this hour, y'all, can you think about the fact that when you're in the very hardest part of life and that when we as a planet, as a people, are facing things that seem worse than ever before in a lot of ways, that we were appointed for this hour. Can you say to yourself, it is for this that I came. It is for this that I came. And not just to be subjected to this, but to overcome it and demonstrate an overcoming through unconditional love. He says, now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And when I am lifted high, I will draw all people to myself. In other words, when I lift myself, when any of us understands the truth of who we are and lifts ourselves in God, know, knowing that we are one with the one, then we lift all people. That's, we talk about this a lot. This idea that everything we do matters to the whole because we are not separate, we are all part of the whole. So every step in your evolution adds to the evolution of all. Every expression of love adds to the love of all. Every expression of power and confidence adds to the power and confidence in that love. And when I am lifted high, I will draw all these people up to myself. And I'm going to skip a little bit. Well, no, let's just go ahead and do that. He said, he told them what kind of death he was going to die. And the crowd spoke up and said, we have heard from the law that the Messiah will remain forever. So how can you say the son of man must be lifted up? Who is this son of man? And Jesus said, y'all, <laughs> you're going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before the darkness overtakes you. It's like, listen to what I'm saying and stop going over what you've been told in your mind is the truth. Be here now. Listen to what's present for you in this moment. Whoever walks in the dark doesn't know where they're going. Believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become children of light. Be here now. And when he had finished speaking, Jesus left and hid himself from them. So Jerusalem is the city of peace. He's marching into the city of peace knowing that it's going to get ugly. Not exactly when, maybe. 
maybe not exactly how, not exactly who, but he knows that because of the radical things he has been saying, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. The Father and I are one. <gasps> he knows because of the way he's been teaching that the people who have a vested interest in the status quo, meaning I am the priest and I will tell you what you need to do. I will intercede between you and God. You're not smart enough or good enough. I'll do that for you. And also, that was the fear of his own, the people from his own religion, the priests and the Pharisees, but also the governors of the city who had, um, over whom the Jews were, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The Jews, they were, they were occupied right? Jerusalem was occupied by these higher forces in order to keep the Jews under control, right? They were occupied by Rome. You know, Rome just did, they just went everywhere and went, mine, 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 mine. And what Jesus was saying is, you can say mine all you want, but I know who I am and I know where I am. But coming into the city and knowing that the when the, when the governors who might have thought, well, he's just a crackpot, it's not going to be a big deal, saw the crowds run in and lay their cloaks and palms on the road, that is high honor. That means you are too good to get muddy. <laughs> that was how they greeted kings, and they greeted Jesus this way. Even though he did not come saying, greet me, I'm the king, he purposely came in humility. But he didn't have any control over the way that the crowd greeted him, and it scared the people in power. What if this guy really is going to come and take over? Because they didn't understand that he wasn't here to take over the material world. He was here to bring a new paradigm in the spiritual world. So how did Jesus <clears throat> walk through everything he walked through in that week? How did he come to the city of peace with all his apostles in joy and in love knowing that it was about to end and end real ugly. What I would say is he was detached from the outcome and he was living each moment, moment by moment, responding to what was going on and at all times staying connected to the truth of who he was. I'm not going out there. That may happen in a few days. Right now I'm sitting on this donkey and people are coming to me. He did his inner work. He had done his inner work. If you haven't done your inner work, there's no way you can walk down the street of palms, have the day where everybody loves you and thinks you're wonderful, and then the next day everybody turns against you and maintain your equilibrium. But y'all, that is what Jesus did. That is what we are called to do, to say, I am who I am. And the storms come, and yeah, maybe they're unpleasant, and maybe I get wet. Maybe I even get tossed overboard, but I am who I am, and no storm can affect that. Right? And conversely, I am who I am, no idea of what I am. No grandiose, you know, oh, you've come to take over the world. Thank you. You're going to take over the government. You're going to get us out of here. You're going to you know, take, make us not have to pay taxes to Rome anymore. You're going to do all this stuff. That didn't change who he was either. The people buttering him up, the people begging him to save them on an earthly level, he maintained his equilibrium. Good, bad, indifferent, I know who I am. 
Can you do that? Some days I can, and some days I'm just tossed about by any old wind that blows. So he had done his inner work, and he was living in oneness with God. And his, the Son of Man, was the embodiment of that oneness of God to show other people, right? Son of Man is that God in earthly form saying, you are that too. Listen while you can, because the storms are about to come, and you're going to forget. <laughs> and I'm telling you, Listen while you can. Take the light for yourself. Because I will not be your light. I am not your savior, I believe is what he was saying there. You've got to be your own savior. I am your teacher, and I'm teaching you what you need to do. Listen, please, would you? So he detached from the outcome. His message was pure and clear. When you are in that space... Only thing that can be threatened is your ego. The only thing that can be threatened is your ego. When people come and say, you're the best that ever was, the only thing that that can touch is your ego. And when someone says, you're the worst that ever was and I'm going to kill you, the only thing that that person can touch is your ego. Right? So if you live in your ego, if you're up when people say you're up and you're down when people say you're down, you are on a roller coaster your whole life. But if you learn to live in the truth of who you are, which is what Jesus was demonstrating, I believe, he already gave that up. He gave up his ego. He did that when he was tempted on the mountain. They said, you can have riches. I don't want that. No, no, that's only my ego that wants riches. You can have control over this whole area as far as the eye can see. No, it's only the ego that wants that. I'm here to be who I am, not to take control of anything. And when he said, get behind me, Satan, I don't think he was talking to a guy in a red devil suit with horns. He was talking to that ego within himself. You know what? You are not in charge here. I'm going to take you along for the ride because having an ego is part of having a body. And when the body goes, so will you. But in the meantime, I am in charge. The I am of me is in charge. And the ego is just along for the ride. So he had already given away his ego. And here's the deal. You would think, maybe, that, oh, I've conquered it. That day on the mountain when he said, get thee behind me, Satan. I don't want all this stuff. I know who I am. I'm here to live who I am. He could have just ascended at that moment. The same with the Buddha. When he awoke, he said, I'm awake. They said, what are you? There's something about you. I'm seeing they wanted to worship him. They wanted to glorify him. They wanted to make him governor. They wanted to make him king. And he said, no, no, no. And they said, well, what are you? And he said, I'm awake. I'm awake. That's it. And the Buddha decided, yes, he could have gone on to whatever is next for him, but he decided that if I could do this, if I could find this truth within myself in this lifetime, then I could teach others how to do that as well. So I'm going to stay and do that. Jesus did the same thing. That temptation on the mountain was before he started his grand three years or so of teaching all over the countryside. 
He could have said, oh, I'm one with God. I don't need anything else. But he went, I know this now. I know it absolutely, and so I have to come and teach it to others. At least example it to others as best I can. And so not having his ego in the driver's seat meant he could be at peace before, during, and after his ordeal. Was it easy? No, it was, wasn't easy. Um, because like I said, his body was still there and his ego was still there. It didn't mean that he didn't experience that stuff in human form. It's just that the truth of him knew what was true beyond that. So how do we keep peace in troubled times? How do we keep peace when it's our time to go through trials, to be unjustly accused, to be on the one hand flattered to high heaven, on the one hand vilified as an outcast? How do we keep peace before, during, and after? Well, as long as we're stuck in our ego, we can't. But we can let go of ego a little bit at a time every day. We can choose to do that. We can start here, start now. And yes, we're still in the desire of the ego. But what if the desire of the ego is, I want to be more spiritual? Not to be seen as more spiritual. <laughs> Not to act more spiritual. But I want to know what it is like to live without the ego. That in itself is an ego desire, and yet that desire is enough to set things in motion for you to get to the place that you're wanting to go. Every time we have a desire, we know we're at least partly out to get something. Our ego is partly out to get something, but that's okay. That's who we are. That's why we're here. You wouldn't be in human form if you weren't meant to have this dual um, experience of yourself. As the one knowing you're one with God and longing for only that goodness and that wholeness and that purity and that perfection. And on the other hand, experiencing pain, experiencing trouble, experiencing fear. We're here to do both of those things. And it's okay. So you don't, if you're stuck in ego, that's okay. You don't have to pretend that you're not. But do your work. What is yours to do? That's what Jesus said over and over and over again. You know, he was criticized for sitting down with the tax gatherers. And they said, and he said, how can you do this? This is the guy that, you know, poor tax gatherer. He was just an IRS agent. He wasn't the governor imposing the tax. But, you know, we hate the messenger, right? And tax gatherers were greeted terribly by the people because they were the ones sent to the Jews and saying, you got to give me this money so I can get it to the governor. And Jesus said, you know what? If you're a tax gatherer, be as loving a tax gatherer as you can be. If you're here um, like Arjuna in the whole Bhagavad Gita to fight a war, to be a warrior, then be the best warrior you can be. Hold your warrior-ness in love. There's a parable or there's a time, um, a teaching of Jesus where people are like joining him along the road, the disciples, and a man comes to him and says, I want to follow you. And Jesus said, well, bury your father. Or he said, but first I must bury my father. And Jesus said, no, don't bury your father and then come, you know, bury your father doesn't mean Jesus wasn't dissing that it was important to take care of the human body after death. 
in the vernacular of the age, bury your father meant take care of him until his death. So um, you get that he's encouraged to do what is his to do until it's time for him to do something else. Sow your seeds, share your gifts, make your money if that's what you're here to do. Money's neutral. It's not bad. It's not good. It's neutral. It's what you do with it that matters. Are you using it in love? And no matter what it is that you think you're here to do, don't get too attached to it because you might be wrong or you might be here to do that for a certain amount of time and then it's time to move on to something else. How many people do you know that like, are clinging to one period of their lives? And they dress that way, and they do their hair that way, and they try to behave that way, when really they're in a different stage of life. And it becomes painful to watch and almost ridiculous. So we have to be aware about when it's time for us to move to the next phase. I'm going to read you something from Ram Das. How we work with our actions... How do we work with our actions when we know we are still caught in karma, when we're still caught in the world, when we're still caught in this cause and effect thing that's happening? And more importantly, how do we know for sure what it is we're supposed to do? How do we know? These are important answers when you're, or questions when you're on the spiritual path. And here's his answer. We don't. We don't know. We know to the best of our ability, but we don't know. Until you're no longer attached to your ego in any way, then every act you do will have your ego present in it. There's not a chance it won't. There'll be mixed motives, subtle ways in which you'll do it to yourself again and again. So until you hear that pure message like Jesus did, you keep tuning and tuning and tuning in. Through study, through meditation, you keep listening. Through falling on your face and making yourself ridiculous, you keep listening. And slowly, slowly, as your methods start to work, your attachment to the whole business gets less and less. The ego can only trap you if you think you are the ego. If you know you're not, then you can let the ego do what the ego does and not be trapped by it. I love this idea. He says, the ego is just this thing out there doing its thing. It's just egoing. <laughs> Like your eyes are seeing. You're not telling them to see. They're seeing. Your ears are hearing. Your ego is egoing. It's just what happens. No more interesting than that. I love that final phrase. Your ego is just ego, egoing like your eyes seeing or your ears hearing. It's no more interesting than that. So again, how you do the best you can. You do the best you can. You listen. While the light is here, Pay attention to the light. Walk in the light. While the message is before you, listen to it. Study, meditate, do what you need to do to listen. Even though your listening may be impure, it doesn't matter. And then, once you've decided what is yours to do, you just do it. Because second-guessing your decision is a waste of time. In the In the... 12 steps, we talk about um, step three is made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to God. At the end of every service, we sing, love is my decision. So do you see how when you've made a decision, God is in charge, made a decision, I'm going to love, 
that every circumstance that comes, if you question that decision, oh, am I doing this right? Then you are, you are just dissipating all your power and all your focus. Make the decision and do it. And if you're wrong, you'll find out. Decide as best you can, but keep in mind that you're not the actor. You're not the one doing it. You don't have to wonder if you've made the right decision. Just simply be present with the action. Love it or the inaction. Love it. Give your love to it. When you give your love to what you're doing, then spirit will work through you. And your ego can't get in the way of that. Shall I say that once again? When you get whatever you're doing or not doing, when you give your love completely to it, when you give your love to it, ego can't mess it up. When you give your love to it, you are making a conduit, an open channel for spirit to work through your life. So make tea with love. Unload the dishwasher with love. Go stand in line at the DMV <laughs> with love. And if you can do it with love and not distract yourself by, oh man, I shouldn't have gone on a Thursday. Maybe Tuesday's a better day. Should I go? Well, I'm already halfway through the line now. Hmm, would it be even worse if I come back on another day? You know, you're in the line, you're in the line. Send some love out in the line. Maybe you're here just to shine some light on somebody who's there. Can you dig it? Yes. Maybe you're exactly where you're supposed to be. Exactly where you're supposed to be. And you do it with love. And here's a quote from the Tao. By letting it go, it all gets done. The world is won by those who let it go. But when you try and try and try, the world is then beyond the winning. You get that? Make the decision the best you can. Do your work. Spend your time in prayer and meditation. Listen. Ask for the voice of God to speak within you. And then do the best you can with love and keep doing it. Because if you try to figure out every step before you take it, you'll be stuck forever. That's the ego going, but what if I take a step and it's the wrong step and what if I fail? Because spirit doesn't care. Only ego cares if you fail. In the Bhagavad Gita, it says, who in all his works sees God? In all his works sees God. In truth, he goes to God. Whatever you're doing, if you see God in it, then you are with God. Think about that for a minute. Yoda said, there is no try. <laughs> Only do or do not. There is no try. And Jesus said, as for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, they are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. And when a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and vacillates and wonders and doesn't put them into practice because what if I do the wrong thing? Oops. Who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck the house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Believe in the light while you have the light, so you may become children of the light. And 
Here's a, message, here's a translation of that phrase from the Message Bible, which I love. As you have the light, believe in the light, right? When you get the moment of inspiration, the intuition, when you hear it, believe in it. Don't beat it to death until it goes away. As you have the light, believe in the light. Then the light will be within you, shining through your lives. And then you'll be children of light. Thank you. So we're just going to go into meditation here for a moment. I can't close my eyes because I will fall over. So take a deep breath. If you're comfortable closing your eyes, do that. If not, just sort of pick a point in the middle distance and rest them there so that they're not doing what eyes do, which is seeing. Let them see the one thing and then calm down. And take a breath. And another. And simply know there is within you at the center of your being the still small point, the hub of the giant wheel that's turning when you are out on a spoke. You are spinning around. But when you make your home in the hub, in that one still point of a turning world, in the Christ spirit, in the light within you, the divine presence, your higher self, the part of you who sees clearly above your ego, when you make your home there, you have a solid foundation. And as soon as you know that, as soon as you make your home there, there will be times when you travel out on a spoke. But if you've built a home in the stillness, you will know how to get back to it quickly. You won't go running from spoke to spoke, just moving laterally into new craziness and new craziness. And you won't run out to the end, making things crazier and crazier and crazier. You will recognize, ah, I must be on a spoke. <laughs> and you'll know exactly where home is. And simply by knowing it, by reminding yourself In the span of a breath, you can be there again. On this solid foundation, I am love. Jesus was clear that he did not come to be your savior or my savior. He came to show you that safety is available to you when you recognize the Father within you. 
Jesus' invitation was to say, look, I've done it, and therefore I can tell you it's the truth. And you can do it too. Follow in my footsteps. you don't have to look out to the end of the spoke about what might happen next. Concentrate your attention on what you know is true. You have the light. You are the light. You are an open channel for light to shine through. You illuminate your world simply by being and by recognizing your being. Can you feel the peace of that? That solid foundation. bookmark it <laughs> memorize what it is feel the truth of being in it of being of it of being it being that peace and then know when you lose it it's not really lost you're just looking in the wrong direction and all you have to do is turn around go back again to this center of truth. For such a time as this, were we all born, we are here to shine the light, to be an open channel, to give and then receive love for that truth we give grateful thanks and we say 